Hi, I'm Vincent Andrasani, and this is episode 18 of The Place of Sound. Thanks very much for tuning into this episode, and thanks also to those who've been following along through the last few episodes of the show. For those of you who are listening for the first time, The Place of Sound is a show that explores the theme of space, or the social geography, using sound and listening. We do so through a variety of audio media production formats, so you can expect to do a few different types of listening in a single show. Episodes consist of what we refer to as audio portraits, or oral history style interviews that explore the topic of home. Soundscape compositions, which use everyday sounds to communicate the personal and social significance of a given place. And we typically end the episode with a short documentary style piece that over recent months has explored the topic of social isolation, something we know all too well as a result of our lockdown experiences. These are the types of projects that you can expect to hear on The Place of Sound, and all of them are produced by students here at Carleton University. They're what gets produced in Comms 4501 Digital Media Production, which is a fourth-year workshop course in the Communication and Media Studies program. In the last episode, episode 17, we listened to work by Kathleen Collins, Nicole Ganado, and Alan Santiago. We heard Kathleen's soundscape composition titled, Win the Morning, Win the Day, which was about the importance of routine and how Kat spends her mornings before her day begins. We also heard Nicole's soundscape composition, which was titled, Wake Up and Savor the Scramble. Like Kat, Nicole also invited us into her morning routine, which consisted of preparing a favorite recipe, scrambled eggs. And lastly, we heard Alan's audio documentary titled From My Home to the World, which was a dialogue about mental health during the lockdown featuring Alan and his friends Zoe and Jamie. In this episode, we'll listen to more student projects produced in my media production workshop. But before we do that, we'll pause for a quick announcement by Gracie Lee Phillip. Gracie Lee is the Vice President of the Communications Student Society here at Carleton University. Gracie's going to take this opportunity to introduce herself and some of the events that CCS has planned for this academic year. Gracie Lee, and I'm the Vice President of the Carleton Communication Society, alongside Peter, our President. 
I'm so excited to share some of the amazing opportunities we hold every year and new ones that are coming. First and foremost, we had the mentorship program coming in two different ways. One, the senior mentorship, and two, our original mentorship. Next, we have some amazing events such as LinkedIn workshops, Pints with Profs, or Mingle Mania. I look forward to seeing many of you there this year. And finally, I ask you to sign up to be a member through our Instagram. There you will find all our information and even our email, so feel free to reach out to ask any questions. Have a good day, and I can't wait to meet some of you virtually or hopefully in person. As Gracie Lee mentioned, be sure to follow CCS on their Instagram account, which you can find at at society to stay up to date with everything that they have planned. to the projects. In this episode, we'll listen to an audio portrait, a soundscape composition, and an audio documentary. Three projects in total. The first project is an audio portrait by Morgan Jones titled Home Cooked, featuring her friend Malcolm Taylor. In it, Malcolm describes what home means to him through a story about the taste and smell of his Vavo's famous Portuguese shrimp. The second project is by Julian Almuli and is titled A Taste of Spring in the Glee. In this piece, Julian takes us along with him on a walk through his neighborhood, stopping at a few places along the way. And the final project is an audio documentary by Riley Duns titled The Polarity of Immobility. In it, Riley makes an interesting observation about the contradictions of mobility and immobility, which he came to realize as a result of his lockdown experience. It's worth noting that each of these projects mark different moments around the pandemic. Julian and Riley's pieces were made during the spring of 2021, sometime around March and April, while Morgan's piece was made much more recently, in October of this year. Okay, let's begin with Morgan's audio portrait, titled Home Cooked. Morgan, over to you. everyone. My name is Morgan Jones. I'm a fourth year student at Carleton University in the Communications and Media Studies Honors Program. Uh, so for this audio portrait project, I was fortunate enough to speak with Malcolm Taylor about his concept of home, capturing the idea that home is not just a physical dwelling or the place you sleep, but it's also a memory, a feeling, and in his case, the smell of his Vavos Portuguese shrimp. Check it out. I remember walking into my Vavos house when I was younger 
And every time I would go over to her house, there would always be this distinct smell that I could never really figure out what it was or where it was coming from until I got a little bit older and I realized that that smell was pimenta moida, which is like a Portuguese marinade. So I went over with my family one night and uh, it was a special occasion. We were having family up from Hamilton. And in Portuguese culture, it's sort of inherent that when you all get together, you do have a meal and you have conversation. And so my vovó was cooking Portuguese shrimp for me because she knew that it was my favorite. And I remember when the, when the shrimp was put out onto the dinner table, I was so infatuated by the smell that I ate 13 shrimp. And I remember that I ended up getting a stomachache. And so the smell of the shrimp and hearing my family speak Portuguese to one another and, and the taste of the Portuguese food, it just felt like a really, a really happy night and it just felt really nice to be surrounded by family. So fast forward to about third year university, I was at Walmart and I saw that shrimp had gone on sale. So I picked some up, not really thinking much of it, until I got home and I saw that I had pimenta moida in the fridge. So I decided I would cook up Portuguese shrimp for dinner. And it wasn't really until I started to fry the onions and then melt the butter into it and, and add that pimenta moida paste and, and the shrimp. When it all came together in the pot, the aroma that I smelled definitely brought me back to feeling that sense of nostalgia of when I was sitting around my grandma's dinner table. And even though I can't really be with her now, when I cook that shrimp, it gives me a sense of uh, love and sort of security and safety of being around my family. It's just a really nice feeling. Hello, my name is Julian Almuli, and this is my introduction for my assignment, the soundscape composition entitled A Taste of Spring in the Glebe. So for this assignment, I... I was a little at a loss for what to do. I initially wanted to do a cafe that I used to work at, but instead I ended up opted for the neighborhood as a whole because last Thursday, when it was so beautiful outside, I couldn't resist going for a walk, and I was struck by the sounds of running water everywhere, uh, which were completely foreign to the, the soundscape of the area for the last few months. And so, given the uh, wider, wider range that would be possible with the entire neighborhood, which I have a great fondness for, I opted to uh, do that instead. The date is March 11th, 2021, and today is an important day. It is 13 degrees outside, the very first taste of spring, marking the end of what has felt like the longest winter of my life. Today is an important day because for the first time in months, I'm stepping outside for a walk around my neighborhood, the Glebe, without a winter coat and boots. As soon as I open the door, I'm buffeted by a warm, sweet-tasting breeze. After the bitter winds of winter, I really don't mind. I'm only a stone's throw from Bank Street, the beating heart of the Glebe. Packed with small family-owned restaurants, cafes, and boutiques, it's one of the most interesting and fun areas in all of Ottawa. There is character and personality to the neighborhood everywhere you look. Gorgeous murals can be found high and low, and no matter how many times I walk through the area, there always seems to be more to discover, such as the omnipresent mystery machine parked in the alley behind Little Victories, where you can get some of the best coffee in the city. Along Bank, the soft sounds of the wind are drowned out by traffic. The environment is dominated by the grinding and rumbling of cars as they drive along one of the city's busiest streets. I continue my walk until I reach the bridgehead on the corner of 2nd Avenue, where I used to work. 
I stop inside to grab a coffee and to say hello to my old co-workers and maybe some of the regulars. The defining feature of the Glebe to me is the sense of community that is so core to its identity. I've heard many people refer to Ottawa as a small, big town, and nowhere is that more true than in the Glebe. Despite only living here for two years, I feel more at home than in almost any other neighborhood I've ever lived in. The Glebe has a way of inviting you in and making you feel like one of its own. And after just eight months of working in the neighborhood, my roommates and I can hardly walk to the grocery store without stopping to chat with a former co-worker or regular patron. Coffee in hand, I exit the shop and decide to head west on 3rd into the residential area. As the sounds of traffic quiet, I'm struck by how wet it is, snow melting off the roofs and running down driveways and into the gutters. The sounds of splashing are a sharp contrast to the crunching of snow from just a week before. I know my destination. Browns Inlet Park on Homewood. On the way there, I pass by one of the several schools in the neighborhood, and I'm glad to see a gaggle of mass school children screaming with glee as they play in the sun. I continue walking and pass by the shinny rink across the street. Maintained by the community, at this time of year is normally still filled with ice, but the early sunlight has reduced the rink into a slushy pond instead. I reach the park, half hoping to see it filled with people and their dogs like on a normal spring day but all of the melting snow has transformed it into a mired bog. The mud sucks at my feet. I regret thinking I could get away with wearing sneakers. No one in their right mind would let a dog off leash here, and despite my disappointment, I can hardly blame them. I circle the park and head back to Bank, the sounds of traffic re-emerging as I approach Lansdowne. I decide to head home, leaving muddy footprints as I walk on the drying pavement back to the house. By the time I get back, the sun has already started to set, reminding me that despite the weather, we are still in the midst of winter. CKCU, hey again, it's Riley Duns here. I hope all is well, and today I'm bringing you my third audio piece, a podcast. In this podcast titled The Polarities of Immobility, I focus on two specific spaces, the first being a combination of the airport and on a plane, and the second being my family home in Vancouver. Through these two spaces, I explore what about them has made me feel immobilized, whether physically or mentally, as well as how my relationship with these spaces have changed. But to not waste any time, here it is. Thank you for listening. Alright everyone, hello. How are we all doing? Hopefully all well. During these times it seemed to be getting crazier and crazier. But uh, I think throughout all this craziness that has ensued from the pandemic, it's really given each and every one of us something we can really learn from, or many things to learn from. But uh, let's not waste any time. Let's get right into this, and I'll talk about some of the things I've learned through my feelings of immobility and isolation. COVID has definitely brought along a couple of life lessons for me. One very important one in particular, though, and that being to recognize and to grasp the control you have over a certain space, no matter how limited or vast the space is and enforce this control to your benefit, both physically and mentally. And as simple as this may sound, I've truly come to understand that in the spaces that we're afforded great mobility, it can actually lead to feelings of being immobilized. And inversely, in spaces that are completely immobile, one can afford from the great opportunities for growth in many ways, so long as you really grasp onto this control you have over this certain space. So to discuss this polarity of immobility, I want to highlight two spaces in particular, which has facilitated my learning of control and ultimately two spaces that aided my realization that even in the vastest of spaces, one can feel immobilized and two in the inverse, how you can feel mobile in the spaces that are completely immobile. Due to the risk of the coronavirus, we kindly ask you to keep a distance 
distance from other people and practice good hand hygiene. So to consider the first space, this is more of a group space, space that operates hand in hand with one another. So that's the airport as well as being on a plane, which I think could be uh, some great insight for you guys right now, as I'm sure many of you who are listening haven't traveled by air since the pandemic start. But uh, a little brief context on myself, I travel back and forth from Ottawa to Vancouver, uh, typically about two times in the year during Christmas and uh, summer break. So of course, this process of booking flights and entering airports and reaching my destination safely at the core, those are very, very mobile activities. But once I've actually entered these spaces, I feel completely immobilized by the nature of my movement that is allowed in these spaces. It didn't afford any freeness. My movement, as well as the movement of others in the airport, it became a collective logistical effort to pre-plan quote-unquote safe movement. I felt completely immobile in the sense that I was confined, my movement throughout certain spaces didn't feel autonomous at all, and ultimately what made me feel completely immobilized was rather than walking around and controlling the movement, my movement was controlled by prevalent physical barriers throughout the airport, as well as the tape and stickers that we see on the ground that ultimately signifies whether our movement is acceptable or safe or allowed. And it's these physical barriers and significations that have made me lose the feeling of enjoyment in an airport, where I would stroll around from shop to shop, or eat at one of the cafes that are now closed during COVID, or even just exploring the space, being that it is unfamiliar. I always love exploring different airports and, and comparing them, and I feel completely restricted and immobilized by the fact that I can no longer do these things. Now boarding. When it comes time to board the plane, though, that's when immobility reaches new heights, because social distancing measures are completely out the window at that point. That's one of the spaces I can think of where social distancing just isn't um, practiced at that point because being that air travel is is a business, so they have to sell the seats. But once these doors closed and the seatbelt signs turned on and the plane was ready to take off, immobility reached heights that I can't even really describe. Ultimately, I felt confined and static and just compelled to remain stationary for the benefit of myself and for the benefit of others. And of course, on a plane, it's very hard to confine oneself to just the seat. It's hard to stay immobile. But ultimately, I feel immobilized because of the constant anxiety of movement could increase my exposure to potentially unsafe spaces or unsafe people. So considering these vast spaces, such as the airport and airplanes, which are the pinnacle of mobility, I find it quite strange, though it's very understandable, that the pandemic has completely erased what I love about traveling. That being that it is defined by autonomous movement and the buildup of excitement for traveling to a new destination. But now, my feelings of travel are replaced by immobility, and this excitement is replaced with anxiety towards making a continuous and conscientious effort to remain safe at all costs. Being that the first space I discussed was my travels to and from home, you could probably guess that home is the second space I would discuss, and that it is. So to situate these spaces against one another, unlike the airport and a plane, 
My home is more of a limited space, which oftentimes contributed to a feeling of living on autopilot in an isolated space, almost as if I was reliving the same day over and over again, and in turn, hearing the same sounds over and over again. And initially being at home when the pandemic had heightened into complete seriousness, my feelings were that I was becoming increasingly isolated due to the increased sense of immobility. But what ultimately made me feel isolated even more was the fact that I let this immobility control my life more than I controlled it. It took me some time, but I recognized that in this limited space where I felt like I lacked control, and even more so I feel like I lacked purpose, I was really given the opportunity through isolation to fulfill my purpose in life that has been on the back burners for so many years on end now. And that was reachieving a sense of brotherhood with my older brother who I have not been close with for a number of years now. And we come together when it feels right, when there's a desire to connect with one another, rather than forcing the intimacy for the sake of it. And it was at this trip home, just over this past Christmas break, where intimate moments with my brother specifically were the least forced that they have ever been. We felt since that we both inhabit this space together, and since we're both isolated together, rather than just rotten boredom individually, let's make the most of our time that we have together right now. Let's make the most of it. Let's make it more enjoyable. And we felt that it was over this Christmas break we were ready to reachieve our brotherhood that has been lost. So instead of ignoring one another and just shuffling past each other when we cross paths like we usually do in the house, we began just to simply talk more about common interests we knew we shared, and it wasn't before long that it quickly evolved into us hanging out together virtually every single day like we were little kids again. Our level of intimacy with one another grew into an unforced daily hangout, where I would just hang out with my brother in his room for hours on end, which is something we would never do before. Um, we'd play games together for hours, and what really facilitated our growth was music. On top of spending a bunch of time together in such a confined space, we spent a considerable amount of time listening to Juice World together, specifically unreleased Juice World tracks. And his music was able to bring us together in ways we had never pictured before. So it's through all these common interests that we found through tandemed immobility that allowed us to revive our brotherhood in, in a completely unforced manner. So just as we begin to wrap things up, I wanted to emphasize again on how I've conceived my thoughts on immobility with respect to these two spaces. While the adapted physical nature of mobility that airports and planes afford, it has really instead brought me feelings of immobility and confinement and a riddlement of anxiety that I have to conscientiously remain safe at all costs in everything I do. Whereas my home, the physical immobility that it provides me, in turn provides me with the opportunity or almost a sense of mental mobility to grow my relationship with my brother to heights that has not reached for such a long time. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. I hope my insights on the airport provided you with some 
information that might be unknown to you right now. And I hope the story about my brother was a feel-good moment for you, something you could relate to with your siblings or your family members per se. But um, with that in mind, let's continue to fight through this craziness together and stay safe out there. Thanks very much for tuning in to this episode of The Place of Sound. But before I sign off, a couple of quick notes. The first is about the featured work section on The Place of Sound website. It's a blog that presents some of the individual projects that you will hear or have heard on this show. On the site, you're of course able to play the audio work itself, but you can also see some of the original photos and the writing that students produce to go along with the audio. Since you can't read that writing or see those photos on the radio show, this is a great way to access it. So check that out in the blog section on theplaceofsound.ca. And the second is that we've now put together enough episodes that there's a bit of an archive emerging. To listen back to previous episodes, you can find them in two places, on ckcufm.com or on the website at theplaceofsound.ca. In the meantime, Keep your ear out for upcoming episodes, which air on CKCU Radio every other Monday at 6.30pm. Until next time, thanks for listening to The Place of Sound.